Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Focus, the power of focus. One of the most successful people I know always talks about the power of focus. And it just makes sense. Your focus determines your future. So many people have a goal and they give up on that goal because they haven't given it all that they had. Or so many people have so many goals. I see this often. So many lists of things to do that they get really nothing done because everything's kind of watered down. They haven't given one thing that oomph that it needs to get across the finish line. Your focus determines your future. I remember years ago when I was in scouting, we learned how to build fires and that powerful focus of just rubbing those sticks together and just constant, constant. You couldn't think about anything else. You couldn't do anything else. You had to just target trying to get that little spark. And that spark is the power of focus, that same spark from trying to start a little fire and burn down the woods. No, we weren't trying to burn down the woods, but just start that fire so that we could cook during a camping trip is the same focus that's needed even in a large corporate strategy. When you have pages of documents, you have zillions of things to do, you can't get it all done. And the future is determined based on the few things that you really can focus on. And then many people will wait for the boss. Well, what should I focus on? Tends to be somebody who's newer, tends to be somebody who doesn't realize how to get things done. But instead, the people who really make it happen, look at all of that stuff, look through, wade through it and figure out, you know, what are the very few things that I can make a difference on, that I can focus on, that I can focus my team on. One of my favorite quotes, we had a Wednesday wisdom about it. Bruce Lee is a successful executive actor, producer, martial arts executive. He says the Successful warrior is the average man with laser-like focus. So we're going to talk a little bit about focus. Why is it so important? How do you do it? How do we get people to galvanize into one goal? And if everybody's focused on different things, how do you get people laser-focused on what you need them to be focused on? So strategies to focus and why focus matters. So let's start with that. Why does it matter so much or does it matter so much? Uh, some people will take an approach of, well, I have 10 things to do, do today. I'm just going to check each one off and go down the, the boxes. And other people will say, no, I'm going to really focus on this major objective. And everything I do in those objectives has to orient and make that goal go further faster. So let's talk about that. Why does focus matter so very much? And We have an incredible team to answer this. They seem silent now because they're so focused on the answer, but I'm giving them time to ponder this. Much time, much time they've had to ponder the power of focus. We are welcoming back Rebecca Kilzer. She's learning and technology. That's focus right there. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be back here at season two of Aim Higher. And then there's Drew Bordis. He's an operations expert and he's pretty focused. He's deep. He's so focused. He's like lost in a single, single cell in an Excel spreadsheet. So far deep 
into that Excel spreadsheet, we sometimes can't find him. But I, I've got a lot to say about this. You, yeah. I'm sure you yeah. do. I'm, I'm waiting. Now. We just have I'm to pull you out of that. Yeah. That's uh, oh, you're patiently patient, focused. Patient. We're focusedly patient. In. And then we have Tammy Spade, who has a title of alliteration: People, Purpose, and Place. That sounds good. Let's focus. Yes, it is. So we are going to talk about all of the power of focus. Who wants to lead us off? Who's been really focused on this answer? Why does focus matter so very much? I mean, for me, uh, it's, it is how, especially as an executive, when you're doing so much context switching during the day, that if you don't have focus, you can really get lost just going wherever the calendar tells you to go and Outlook told me to do this. And if you're not careful, a week could get by where you were very busy, work, 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 and got nothing done. Um, so focus for me is just being aware of what am I trying to accomplish? What's more important than the other this week? What meetings do I need to go to? What meetings? Ah, no, this is, you know, I should do this instead of that. And just being aware of, of what am I trying to do? Right. It's a discipline, right? It yeah. doesn't just occur by itself because your day is going to pass, whether you're focused on, you know, getting things done or whether you just allow it to happen to you. And so I think that when you think about focus as a, um, a thing that needs to be added into your daily routine, it's something that helps guide you, helps you decide what you're going to do next, helps you prioritize and helps you as a leader prioritize the work of your team or your colleagues. Yeah, and yeah. so often I was just going to say, right, Tammy, that the the focus just happens. I, I think when people start a new job, they just are reactive to what I'm told to do. And as they learn to be leaders, and that's not a positional word, it's just being a leader, it's not just about being reactive, but proactive. And that stance makes you more focused. And I'm looking at you through these weird uh, microphone. Um, we have such massive microphones. Carrie's uh, studio here that I have to look over and under just to just to focus on you, Tammy. What just do you, to what make, do you eye make contact, of yeah. Well, I, it's interesting that you use those words because I was listening to Drew thinking there's action and there's reaction. Reaction is, yes, and I've had those weeks where I get to the end of the week and think, oh, my word, there were three things I wanted to get done this week, and I feel like I was just tossed around by the winds and the waves and going here and going there versus action orientation, which is more proactive. What do I need to focus on? And I do find that if I focus in the morning on what I need to accomplish on that day or you do it at the beginning of the week, you're much more likely, if, if you give your best energy and time to what you need to get done, then those other things that you may need to react to, but they're less of a priority for you, can just happen throughout the regular course or sort of in between other things. I think of focus a lot like driving. I, when I'm driving, my goal is to get as quickly as possible from point A to point B. Tammy, I followed you on the highway, and I'm not <laughs> sure this is the best analogy. <laughs> but it's fast and it's focused, right? You're following me. We both get get to the office. Yeah, I do tend to drive a little. My personality changes when I'm behind the wheel of a car. I, I can attest so to that. Yes. Aggressive. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, aggressive. We'll cover this in a different podcast. Very I think. focused. Yes. yes. Maybe anger management could be <laughs> yeah. could be the the title of that one. See, it's funny because focus works against me when I'm driving because I'm focused on other things. Like I'm a terrible driver. That's because why my I head ask you there. to sit in the passenger yes. seat. Like I am. Drew. I'm off thinking about another problem. But think about it when you have young kids in the back seat. 
oh, look at that cow. Oh, there's a McDonald's. Oh, and if you stop at every every site that seems interesting, every landmark, you're not going to get to your goal, you. which I won't. Right. No. We're stopping once in an eight-hour trip. No one drink anything. Yes. That's my approach, too. Yeah. You two can ride together. <laughs> Be great. <laughs> Good luck with that. Well, you, you know, thinking about, you mentioned calendars, and I'm thinking about taking control of your calendar. I mean, when you look at your calendar, it is such a powerful way to get focused. When I take a new job, I've taken CEO job, I will come in, I'll just follow the calendar for a few weeks, and then I stop and I say, I am not just going to be the recipient of standing meetings because what happens is my day turns out would be 95% full of standing meetings, none of which would actually be focused, none of which are really impactful, none of which are proactive and forward thinking. They're just the result of past history. So I literally will wipe them all off of my calendar and then start over and decide which one should I attend if any, et cetera. And people say, oh, that's great because you're the CEO. You can do that. You can just come into whatever meetings you want, et cetera. And that's true. There is a prerogative to, to being that title. But the fact is, I've done that my whole career. I've looked at it and said, you know what? I don't need to be in this whole meeting. You have this or you have that or I can be in five minutes or do we need this meeting at all? And oftentimes people will be like, well, no, you know, have, <laughs> I've had people giving me the minutes of the meeting. Do you have people that remember the minutes? Do people still do minutes? Occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> and, and you read through these minutes and you're like, okay, 85% of this is parliamentary type of procedure. We've done absolutely nothing, said nothing, repeated the same thing, read this into the script. And this is not C-SPAN, right? So we we get nothing done. I mean, there is a reason why. Well, I won't go there. But there is a reason why certain political bodies get nothing done, right? There is not purposeful um, intention in getting things done. So how do you tell someone? They come up to you. They're on your team. And they say, I just need some strategies for how do I take control of my calendar? What What do you tell them? I think one question that you can ask is, what are you uniquely positioned to do? Sometimes people are um, asking you to be involved in something because of a position that you hold. You're in this position, and so I assume you have to be in this meeting or it's a standing meeting. But what am I uniquely contributing to this meeting? And then, Skip, something that you often do in meetings is, what's the purpose of this meeting? What's the process? What's the outcome that we're looking for? And that just gets everyone focused on the outward result, activity versus result. So are we just here to have an activity of some sort, or is there some sort of outcome or result that we're trying to achieve? I think for me, it's it's understanding as far as taking control of your calendar, like when are you when are you at your best and when aren't you? So like eight o'clock in the morning. Aren't you always at your best? No, Drew? I'm not. Eight o'clock in the morning, Drew, is way better than four o'clock in the afternoon. I've Drew. noticed that. Yes, right? It's, it's clear as day. Uh, my team now understands it. So if you need me at four o'clock to sit in a meeting, it better be on fire and critical. 8 a.m., I'm all in. And so just being purposeful about that and saying, look, uh-uh, nope, here's here's when you can have me, here's not, and otherwise – and. It, I think it just it, – it certainly works for me, but I think it starts to work for the whole team. What do you do, though, if you are oriented toward 8 o'clock and most of your team is oriented toward 3 o'clock Or your during colleague Tammy, for example, is or, you know, well, getting energy at 4 p.m. Yeah, and Tammy, you can't get at 8 a.m. It just depends on who you need the most. 
Yeah. <laughs> or you come in and you're really good at 10 p.m. And that's when you're just starting to get your energy. I don't know who that would be. No. Does that no. work for you, Rebecca? No, no. No. Are no, you early? Uh, I'm sort of a mid-morning. I'm at the at my height of my power at nine. So two or three cups of coffee in, or do you not uh, no, partake two, in two the cups. caffeine? Two, two cups. Two yep. cups of caffeine, and then you're ready to go. Ready to go. Well, that's good. So we can all we can alter that. Well, when we think about focus, I also think about conflicts, and this is something that I've seen people do. They they actually have goals that are conflicting with each other, and yet they're not willing to state it. Let me give you an example from the gym. My my friend and trainer, Alex, will like this because uh, there are some people who are focused on getting fit, losing weight, losing body fat, right? That That's a focused area. There are some people focused on getting bigger, gaining muscle, mass building. And most of the people that I meet think they're focused on all of those things, right? They want to lose weight, lose fat, gain muscle, be in shape, all of these great things. And they don't realize that those things are actually conflicting, right? You, you actually can't do both. So you can't really have these two diets, one where you're bulking up for the Arnold here in Columbus and trying to be this massive bodybuilder and at the same time, slim down and be really toned and completely thin and have no body fat. The diets are actually completely different. So one of the questions Alex asks right away is, what are you trying to do? And it's a very annoying question if you want to do all those things, right? Because you're thinking, well, I want to do all those things. And you can't. And I don't like to be told I can't, but you have to choose, right? And that's that's focus. And so oftentimes, it that clarifying question as a leader, you come into a room, you come into a meeting, you look at the business strategy, and you say, what is our focus because you can't really do all of those things. So what are some strategies that help you get to work on you to focus and and help you make those choices and trade-offs either individually or as a team? How do you make those trade-offs? I think you you mentioned um, it as you were talking is the power of choosing, right? So you have to make a choice in order to um, be able to focus on anything you have to pick what it is that you're going to choose to be focused on. And so in order to get make progress toward a goal, you have to obviously know what it is. You have to know what you need to do in order to continue toward that. And that the I think that that's something that sounds, I think, fairly obvious, but doesn't always come as first the first reaction when people are thinking about, well, how do I how do I proceed in this situation when I'm trying to get something done? Um, and just to be able to say, okay, what are my options and make a choice and pick one and just go. That makes a, I think that's a good strategy for me. And oftentimes people don't want to pick. Right. Or the team doesn't want to pick. Yep. Or they're not conscious of making that pick. And so it just happens by osmosis or people think that they know what the answer is. And I think that you have this conflict in the team where they're saying, is our goal this or is it that? And, and sometimes it's all of the th- those things. But sometimes it literally is conflicting and you you have to make a choice. Are we going to put our effort more on top line growth and growing sales or are we going to really focus on bottom line and being more profitable? Now, obviously, businesses want to do both of those things. You, you, you have to. But there are times when you want to shift that balance and put it in one area a little bit more over the other. You can't start something. You can't have a startup where you're so focused on costs that you kill the future prospect of the business. And yet 
on the other side, you can't have one where you're delusional and you think, well, we're going to take this mature business and we're going to grow it by 25% when that is not reality, right? So you have to look at each business and then make those decisions so that you can focus. Have you noticed people, though, want to avoid that conversation? I notice it more when um, when the choices aren't as clear. So I think I think just in my experience, when you've got choice A and choice B, that's a little easier for people to rally around. You can put facts to it. You can I'm going to get very engineering here, right? You can put out your business case. You got your financials. Put it in a spreadsheet. Put in a spreadsheet, and you can and make an informed decision. Um, I think where I see teams struggle with focus is when it's a little bit broader and softer. So like it could be even. Um, communicating to the whole company in an all-staff meeting. Well, what do we talk about? We could talk about anything. Well, okay. Should Do they care about this? Do they care about that? I mean, that's not really interesting. But that, And, and you, can, you can spin for quite a while because you just know you need to communicate. But what about? That's, that's where I see, you know, and, and there, because there are times when, let's say there's a um, big news in the industry or something that, that gives you laser focus all of a sudden. Like we know exactly what to tell people. We know exactly what we're going to talk about. Dot, 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 dot. But at times when you don't have that, you can kind of meander around and, and you need somebody to kind of shake the group and say, hold on, focus on this. Yeah. I think complexity can be an enemy of focus. Mm-hmm. If you keep drilling down, tell me more why keep drilling down into, let's just pretend we're explaining this problem or this issue, whatever it is to my neighbor. If you have to simplify it, it forces you to focus. Yes. And then you get down to the, it's the funnel, you get down to the narrower issues. And I think, you know, just the simple pros and cons, advantages, disadvantages of options help you choose too, because that gives you the focus that you need. It's hard when discipline was mentioned earlier by Rebecca, you have a group of people, people kind of go off into side trips and their, you know, maybe agendas or just something that's on their mind parking those things, continuing to park those things, having a place to put those, eliminating those things, and keep just keep coming back to the simple issue. Another one that I think is uh, interesting is when they conflict in completely different areas. So if you say, you know, I am all in on this project at work. I want to deliver it with excellence. This is going to be my focus area. That's my career goal. And then over here they say, and I'm really going to focus on something that I've neglected my sleep. I'm going to make sleep a priority. I'm going to get enough sleep. I'm going to be in bed at the right time. I'm going to get up and and have this meditation time and all of this kind of really allow my body to heal. And then those things conflict because you're up burning the midnight oil trying to get that project done for work. And then you're thinking, oh, I wanted to prioritize my sleep. And how do those kind of kind of pull at each other? So which one do I focus on? And it's kind of you know, a a minor weird kind of point, but we do this all the time. And then we start these conversations in our head, right? Of should I focus on sleep or should I burn the midnight oil and get this done and walk into the meeting with this perfectly executed plan? And I think you, you see the, uh, the power focus kind of, uh, suffer, I think in those, in those moments, because, I always look in hour-long time blocks and say, can, what can I do in this time? Because if I let it bleed into my whole calendar, then it can, it can be destructive. And so I want to talk about the opposite side of focus when it becomes uh, a problem. So I've seen this. 
time management. So I have some friends who are productivity gurus, time management, and you know, they'll come out with something on, you know, what's your writing process? And here's 14 apps and I can load it into this. And then it comes over here and it, I've managed it so that it automatically flows into this program. And the next thing you know, it's over here and it embeds it into a video. And my social media output is 16.5 times greater. All of this stuff happens. All kind of, you're, you're watching all this and they say, what's your process, Skip? And I say, well, I, I write it down on an envelope <laughs> and then I go. I just use that. And we all have different ways that we're creative, different ways that, that we operate. But um, thinking about productivity, you can make a meeting. I've seen meetings become so productive that they're counterproductive. In other words, so focused on what I love, purpose, process, payoff, get it done, what is it, et cetera, that you leave no time for relationships. You leave no time for bonding because the purpose of this meeting is to decide X, Y, and Z, we're going to do this, that, and the other, blah, blah, and you leave. And you're basically coming in and out like an executive robot, and you're not spending time to say, hey, does the team know each other? How you doing? What'd you think of that? Did you watch the Super Bowl? What was your reaction? Did you like the commercials? You know, all of, did you watch the halftime show or did you skip it? What was that like? All of those nuances and conversations, which are not productive, right? They're not specifically trying to get a business output. And yet it's kind of the fabric of relationships. Have you seen that to be the case? Guilty of it or seen it? Both. <laughs> yeah. I actually had a, when I was a consultant at a, a former job, uh, um, the owner of the company, she told me she was a master at, at going out to lunch with people and just, she knew everybody in the city. Um, and for me, I was very focused. So I'd be happy to take a customer out to lunch if we had something to talk about. But if we did not have something to talk about, it would not occur to me. And she actually pulled me aside and said, Drew, Going out to lunch with the person can be the reason. And I, it, it was mind-blowing for me. <laughs> yeah. It's the relationship yeah. alone. right? Because I'm just not person. wired that way. Right. It doesn't fit into the productivity analysis. Right. And so I really, you know, I, I ne never forgot that. When she and yet that. their customer loyalty is much higher mm -hmm. if they have a relationship and feel like they know you and you know their children and their story than if you simply are really good at getting – XYZ done. Right. Yeah, it's an interesting. How have you seen that balance uh, between productivity and getting it done and wanting to get it done and drive and yet also wanting to be a person? And Tammy, your people purpose in place, people's in there. So you care about the people. I do. And, and I think it's foundational. Um, I think it's difficult to focus on tasks and process when there isn't relationship. Not impossible to do it, but I've been in those meetings too where it felt like it was very robotic. It felt like these people really don't know each other. They may not care about each other. You might get tasks done, but it would be very transactional in that sense. And it's not going to be a team. It's just going to be transactional. So I, I do think that sometimes people, you have to sort of know who your team is and who the group is you're working with. I've worked with people who can't move on to the tasks until they connect with you as an individual. And I've worked with people who have to get the tasks done. And then once that feels like it's under control, then we can be relational. And so just knowing, you know, who you're working with and where they place that in their list of priorities and their ability to focus is, is really important. But it's an essential ingredient and one that sometimes people overlook. 
Rebecca, where are you on that scale? Are you more, let's get it done and then talk about the people? Or are you more, I want to know about the people and then we'll talk about getting it done? I like to fall in the middle. It's one of the things actually that I, I think I spend a lot of time thinking about is uh, looking for what I think of as sort of like, they're not quite red, but sort of orange flags that pop up when you're in a room and you can kind of feel like, I don't think that these folks know each other very well, or we'd probably get more done if you and you knew, or if I, you know, spent some time just asking about your kids or, you know, something like that. And I think that being able to um, sort of look at a situation and say, okay, this is, we need to put some attention here, or is there too much of that? Like, do we spend half the meeting talking about your kids and then, you know, we only have the rest to talk about the the really important things we need to get done. And so just kind of maintaining a balance between them um, is something that I'm always thinking about in meetings that I'm in. Um, and, but I do sometimes have to, I do sometimes have to remind myself, I should talk to people before I leave. <laughs> <You> <laughs> so know, I guess I'm slightly on, slightly the, on, on the, the get it done side. You know, I've also seen where the task oriented people who are so focused on the task who notice if a meeting goes halfway through will come later and later and then buzz in, you know, Oh, sorry, I'm late. And they'll come in, I, boom, 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 you know, to get it done to deliberately miss the people section. And that causes its own chaos yeah, and makes the good. whole meeting yeah. unproductive and uh, is counterproductive as well. The other side of focus where it can be a problem is there's a benefit, you know, take a, take a sports analogy of, of uh, someone learning to play offense, you learn offense, you're focused on offense, 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 and you're just laser focused on being, you know, scoring, scoring, scoring. That's your, that's your focus. And then you're not ever learning defense, right? So when do you have to say, okay, now I've got to de-emphasize this offensive focus. And now I have to reemphasize the team on more of a defensive focus or balance, et cetera, or in business, right? Think about a business that might be overly focused on one strategy. You know, we started this business and we're focused on whatever. And then as the business expands, now all of a sudden we can no longer be just focused on that one thing because that one thing isn't going to take us to where we need to go. And so some people say, well, we're not focused anymore. Well, if we were focused, then we wouldn't grow. And, and so you have that balance as well. And I think as leaders, that leadership conundrum sometimes is when do you, when do you pull off that focus to kind of rebalance and look at the, the whole range of skills and, and team kind of engagement? What has your experience been in that front? I think, you know, what you just said applies to a few of our examples. It could be your calendar. It could be your corporate strategy having the ability to just say to yourself, is this working? Like whatever it is, the, you know, my day, our strategy. Dr. Whatever. Phil, yeah. how's that working for is you? Is it working? <laughs> right. Is this working? And if you don't know what you're trying to do, then you will have no idea if it's working or not. So it, it does all tie together in that way, but you have to be nimble enough that if the answer's no, that you can change and say, okay, I'm either going to take control of my calendar and skip and not go to that meeting or, you know what, we need to time out on this strategy because this is not working. It's really good. I was um, part of a company that was in the heyday of the real estate boom. So, and this would have been like maybe, you know, pre-2006. And grow, 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 grow. Growing by leaps and bounds. Adding, you know, 10, 20, 30 people That's even fun. in a month. It's super fun. Yes. But at a certain point, it feels like you're at a permanent frat party. Mm. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like the wild, wild west. And, and at a certain point, 
when you're a public company and this became a public company, you need to play defense. So that's all the offensive stuff. You need defensive things like audit controls and accounting management and appropriate policies so that, you know, you, you have the defensive mechanisms in place. And so I think there is a balance. I've also worked in companies where there was an overfocus maybe on policies and process and there wasn't enough focus on how we're going to grow as an organization. So I do think you need the offensive and defensive balance. I like offense a lot more, but you need a little bit of defense. You need to have that combination because the best teams do. And if you don't, we see the results of that on the field. Well, Alex will like the fact that this this group here in this room is lean, mean, in shape, unbelievable. I mean, this is one fit group. So we may not be competing in the Arnold, but wow. And nobody can possibly debate that because this is an audio recording. So there. That's what I was just thinking. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. Anyway, uh, thank you for talking about the power of focus. I think it's a key aspect of corporate strategy, of individual success, and in aiming higher. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher.